0: seeing ourselves as bad is a direct threat to the human ego and that's like the last thing we want it's normal it's biological so sometimes we have to make peace more important than being right and that's you know that's another thing we have to look at
1: hello everyone and welcome to the on the ball podcast where we have curious conversation about life career, spirituality, and anything in between. My name is Annie Kutut, a civil engineer turned world traveler, public speaker, trainer, and Toastmasters champion. My goal is to bring you inspirational topics and people that can help you find your own definition of success. When you are ready, it is time to be on the ball. This podcast will be truly inspiring for you and probably for many people you know so please share the link of the podcast with them also a quick reminder hit the subscribe and love buttons to get notified about the upcoming episodes then share a rating and a review if you like what you are listening to our guest today is an inspiring young professional who tries to bring difference into our world by talking peace she's a speaker podcaster political activist whose mission is to create equality in our planet. Amanda Haidar is a great friend of mine who was born in Canada, was raised in Lebanon, lived in Ireland and Switzerland before moving back to Lebanon. Amanda has a degree in political science, but her real passion lies in solving conflicts and creating peace. She's a journalist, with a unique and exciting job in Lebanon. Believe it or not, but Amanda is writing the next history book for which she needs to talk to historians, experts, and understand all sides of an issue. This incredible woman has worked at the United Nations has a collaboration with the Hack Peace Project as in involved with NGOs and multiple peacemaking platforms. Amanda's podcast, Let's Talk Peace, is a platform that casts the spotlight on individuals leading impactful peace-building initiatives in their communities. Our topic for this episode is about finding peace with the world and with ourselves. So let's not waste more time and start our episode. Hello everyone and welcome back to the On The Boat podcast where our guest is Amanda Haidar, the host of the Let's Talk Peace. I'm so happy to see you here and I'm always loving this podcast because it gives me a chance to reconnect with friends and share their unique wisdom with the world. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I'm so excited to be on. My first question to you is this history book project. It sounds so exciting. How is it coming along? What is the stage of it like?
0: It's coming along pretty well. So the process of writing the book has been rather interesting. Uh, It's a Lebanese history book, in case people don't know. and i by no means am a historian i'm a writer and i am many other things but i am not a historian i do not have a degree in history although i love history absolutely love it so i'm working closely with a very well known historian here in lebanon and what we are doing is we are writing each chapter by chapter so we set out a timeline of the historical periods that happened in the country from antiquity to present day and then after studying kind of like milestones for it we delve into the research of each period each chapter and I write it up and we go back and forth and that's kind of how it's been going but it's been a really fun project so far. It does sound something
1: like a super exciting project is it only the two of you or are you really interviewing other historians and experts and
0: Yeah. So up until now, it's just been us two, because we're focusing more on like the ancient history of the country. We're still in the Mm -hmm. earlier stages, but eventually we will also be conducting interviews with different politicians and policymakers and different individuals uh, that, that have things to do with this. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. In that way, like it's challenging to understand all sides and see who is right and who is wrong. Every coin has two ends. So do you have like a tactic on how to understand and how to figure out which one to include and how to do all these things?
0: That's a very good question. So just some background information on that. So Lebanon itself as a country, it's it's quite divided. It's divided along religious sectarian lines. So there is no single narrative for history especially for the history of the conflicts that have happened here. So in Lebanon, we've had a civil war from 1975 till 1990. And that entire period is not taught in schools. It's absent from the history books that people learn about. So basically, as a Lebanese citizen, you wouldn't be learning about the conflicts that occurred in the country, in the education system, which is pretty messed up because then the only way that you would learn about these types of issues would be at home.
1: Mm-hmm. where a
0: lot of prejudices exist. And a lot of narratives differ depending on what background you come from, what what socioeconomic or what sectarian background you come from. So when we are, so through writing the book, what, who do we decide who to listen to? I'd like to say that we listen to all sides because every perspective is valid. Mm-hmm. So everybody's pain is valid. Everybody's Experience is valid, but validity and truth are two different things. Yes but to be able to but to be able to really create a holistic snapshot of the history of this country, you have to consider every perspective. But the main sort of lens through which we are creating this book is it's not very neutral. I'm not going to say it's neutral because neutrality would be beyond the point of what we're trying to do with this. The point of this book, is to create cohesion mm-hmm. amongst the lebanese society because if you think about it the subject of history it's never neutral it's always as they often say written by the victor so exactly. the, per- the victorious forces they're the ones that write the history book they're the ones that create the narrative that is then perpetuated for, mm-hmm. for all time so so with this our agenda if you will is peace as you know of course (laughs) but that's basically it so we are presenting history in a very factual way a very phenomenological way So why would you do that like how do you do that actually so, okay, with ancient history, it's a little bit easier because nobody really, you know, it's not that <laughs> contested. It's like facts. Okay, this happened, this is where we come from. The, this empire was here and then this empire came. But with the modern history, it's it's contemporary history. It's a little bit more complicated. So, oh gosh. So for the chapter of the Civil War specifically, the the angle that we are going to be taking is a peace-building angle. So, I'm going to be explaining a lot of peace building theory. I have a background in conflict resolution. So we will be focusing on things such as like, why do wars occur? Okay, these are the circumstances that lead to conflict. And these, than are the things that you need to have peace in a society. So how do we solve our issues? How do we move forward together? That's more of the focus. We won't be going very much into the nitty gritties of, oh, this person did this and this person did that. There's a lot of pain on every side, and obviously we will honor that pain, but we will not lose the whole purpose of the book by going into these tiny details of this person did this, they're bad, and this is wrong, and it's this person's fault, because in a way, everyone is at fault. War doesn't mm-hmm. make sense. It's not rational as, as, much as, as much as they'd like to paint the picture that it was justified. I, in my opinion, as a pacifist, it's never justified. There's always a better way to solve conflict in society.
1: I love the mindset that you want to actually see what was happening and build a lecture out of that, like how can we learn it in the, fu- in the present and in the future? Because that is what I feel about history books and all about history, that we do and repeat the same things, the same mistakes, and we for some reason never learn from it. And we are never taught how to learn from it. So just yeah. your perspective and creating that piece, a table yeah. of
0: contents... <laughs> Makes the difference. Yeah. yeah. Because they say that history repeats itself. And to an extent, this is true because if we don't learn from our mistakes, we're going to repeat them obviously. But the thing is you can learn from your mistakes at both the individual level and the, the wider sociological level of you know the macrocosm. But, but yeah, so we want to present solutions in addition to just you know recounting facts to people. So, yeah.
1: (laughs) Mm. So, what would be a few of the peacemaking
0: steps that you would mention if
1: you have a few ideas on that?
0: We're going to go into peace building theory. So, I'm a big fan of the founder of the field of peace and conflict studies. His name is Professor Johan Galtung. He's this Norwegian psychologist slash mathematician. He's a genius. This man revolutionized the way that we think about conflict and peace and the way that we deal with such things. Uh, He worked as a conflict mediator and he has some very interesting theories. So so let's go to the way that Galtung, this man defines the concept of peace. Mm
1: -hmm. So when you
0: think of peace, maybe the average person's mind would go towards an image of you know no violence so okay no bloodshed that must be peace but galton says no this is not peace this is negative peace so mm-hmm. the absence of violence that's not that's not peace on its own galton has this concept called positive peace which in essence is n- negative peace which is the absence of violence but with social justice as well so this can mean many things um this must include the fact that, that to have peace, each individual must be able or have the option of actualizing their fullest potential. Mm-hmm. This might sound a bit complicated. In other words, peace to Galtung basically is a society or a state of being where every individual's potential is unobstructed. So you don't have things that are obstructing potential, and people can become what they were meant to be. So kind of like reaching your highest version, which is very spiritual and idealistic, and I love it. Yes. And it's kind of it ties. So I don't know if you read you've read The Republic by Plato, it's a classic. But the way Socrates defines his ideal utopia is very similar to how Galtung, the Father of Peace and Conflict Studies, defines peace. They define it as a state of, of social being and existence where every individual is led to becoming their fullest version. So if you mm-hmm. were a fish, you would be doing fish things. You wouldn't be forced to be a bird. Right. And a bird would yeah. do bird things. They wouldn't be... Yeah. So then by doing that, each person would be fulfilling their role and you would have the maximum amazing possible society that you can even imagine. Right. And. But another thing when it comes to peace is, is violence. So you have to understand violence to understand peace. And many of the times we think of violence as just being you know, the, the violence that you see, but Galtung, so it's, it's more than just that. There's something called structural violence that we have to consider. Mm-hmm. And this is the violence that exists within our systems. So for example, how would, how would this apply to the Lebanese history book? By explaining the political system, Through that lens, you would get people to start thinking in a different way. Um, So the system here in Lebanon, it's a consociation system. It's called consociationalism. We have uh, political roles divided along religious sectarian lines. And because it's divided along religious sectarian lines, it's called confessionalism. Mm -hmm. Basically, what this means is the president of the country has to be a Maronite Christian. That's a sect for those of you who are not Lebanese and don't know what a Maronite is. The prime minister has to be a Sunni Muslim and the speaker of our parliament has to be a Shia Muslim. So different sects. And then you have different proportions for the members of parliaments. Basically, everything in our governmental system is divided along religion. So if I, Amanda, yeah. want okay. to be president, I cannot because I'm not a Maronite. Like it's not even in the, you know, choice options for me. What? But the point here is exactly, right? It's insanity. And this is an agreement they came to, uh, really became solidified after the civil war with an agreement mm. called the Ta- That power we don't know anything about. Power yeah but to put that aside this is an example of structural violence this system is founded on violence Mm -hmm. and there's no way out of it so we have to deal with these types of things if we want actual positive full peace Mm -hmm. right and and some might say that oh that's very idealistic like get down from the clouds but it's so important to be setting these high standards for ourselves because that way you will you will at least go further than than if you set a lower standard for yourself like it's always Mm -hmm. good to have an idea of a utopia to work towards because it's a constant process like growth doesn't end so why not aim high right (sighs) yeah and besides the structural violence there's another aspect to violence that we often don't consider and that is cultural violence the violence Mm -hmm. that occurs that, that is basically embedded in different cultures and we see this with a lot of different belief systems and practices that you know might seem normal um From day to day so we have to look at those as well yeah and yeah it's not easy i mean the hardest thing for a human to do you know we're egoistic creatures we seeing ourselves as bad is a direct threat to the human ego and that's like the last thing we want it's Mm -hmm. normal it's biological so sometimes we have to make peace more important than being right and that's you know that's another thing we have to look at yeah
1: and how can we do that so many people are functioning from their egos they are doing everything from that side of their mind so how can we put aside that ego and think more about peace and other person
0: i love it this is an age-old question all of the gurus <laughs> all of the religious gurus, all of the self-help everyone has tried to answer this question and i would say the best chance we have for this is through awareness so just become aware of it it's okay like human nature exists on a spectrum. There's good and there's bad within each and every one of us, but we have free will and we can choose which aspects of human nature to bring out into the world. But as far as creating more peace goes and and really getting out of that ego state, which by the way, is not bad. You're not bad for having an ego, you're Mm. human, but it's just good to keep it in check sometimes because you can cause other people pain. I think the biggest chance, the closest we have in this world to a panacea for all of the world's problems is empathy. Mm -hmm. Now, some people might be like, oh, empathy, seriously? Yes, empathy. Because when you understand someone, when you relate to them, you cannot hate them. You cannot possibly cause them harm Mm
1: -hmm. without also
0: feeling pain yourself. And that, in essence, is love. That's my definition of love. It's Mm -hmm. to take the other as a part of yourself. And in doing that, in taking the other as a part of yourself, you can no longer hurt them without also hurting yourself. And if Mm -hmm. we all did this, I mean, you know, at the individual level, your relationships would be better with other people. And at the governmental level, maybe policies would be made differently. You'd have a lot less human exploitation and Mm -hmm. things. And, you know, at the personal level, it's important also to have empathy towards yourself. We, We, you know, all of it stems from your relationship with yourself at the end of the day. So... So many people struggle with that. We demonize our negative emotions. We push parts of ourselves away. Yeah. And this does nothing to solve the
1: problem. Yeah, that was my next question. Like, you meant I really liked how you put that violence, like, peace is not the absence of violence. But we are not only projecting violence to the outside world, but also towards ourselves. We are violating our thoughts, we are violating our feelings on a daily basis and we are not feeling empathy towards ourselves. It's one step that we start feeling empathy towards another person, but we are still questioning ourselves and have that lack of empathy within ourselves. Do you have any practices for that? Or how do you apply peace in your daily life?
0: That's an excellent, excellent question because it all starts there. It all starts within, with our daily lives. So I actually have a few practices that I do in my day-to-day life, although I by no means am perfect. Like I have a peace podcast, right? And I still get in fights with my family. I still fight with my brothers. Like my older brother, the other day we were fighting and he was like, Amanda, you have a peace podcast and you're not a peaceful person. Like, why are you a hypocrite? And I, <laughs> it drove me insane. <laughs> but that's not the point because you can't be perfect. But as long as you are aware of what you're doing and you know you reflect on it, it's okay. because you're human just take it easy mm-hmm. on yourself and I would say okay I'll, I'll get to the specific practices that people can check out in a bit mm-hmm. but before I want to say I want to say something about emotions because okay we, we, we often view emotions like our own personal feelings as weaknesses or things to be pushed away especially things like anger these negative feeling states we demonize them we suppress reject and deny mm. deny deny certain aspects of ourselves but this all doesn't even go away. exactly exactly this what this does when we reject these parts of ourselves they they are relegated to the subconscious where where they fester and they create all kinds of problems when we do this type of thing we begin to project onto others we we form aversions towards certain traits in people and we form attractions also if it's something that you really loved in yourself and you suppressed it you become attracted to that externally but if it's something you really hated and then you suppressed because it made you bad and wrong then you will start to hate it in others as well mm-hmm. and yeah, i have had certain experiences like this in my life i you know some people think i'm <laughs> well, i was very angry as a person <laughs> but what i would say is delve into the shadow Really examine yourself. Know thyself. Get to know yourself better. Um,
1: mm-hmm. Every single relationship we have is kind of a mirror, reflecting absolutely. back to ourselves.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I've, in my personal life, I've watched relationships in my life transform when I started to do this process of really looking within and examining and bringing those demons closer. Like you know, inviting them in for tea and just listening to what they had to say. Because a lot of these negative emotions, what's behind them is pain or fear. It's not bad. It's not bad to be angry. It's not, you know. But, yeah, like, uh, for for one example, I had this particular family member who I was just, oh, I did not get along with one bit. I hated everything about this family member. <laughs> I'm not going to say what family member. Well, I could. But um, I, I really sat with myself. And this took years, I'd say. But in the end, I... I I I had to look within at my own darkness. And when I did that, it kind of dissolved the tension between me and this family member because because I I began to understand them. And again, you cannot hate that which you understand. And we are Mm. only ever victims of victims, I will say that. But as far as practices go that people can implement within their own lives to create that inner peace and to generate self-love. I would highly recommend meditation I cannot recommend this enough there are many ways to do this and there are many different types of meditation Um, some people don't really like the still meditations where you sit there and you like quiet your mind there are moving meditations yoga is meditation Um, also I like personally I do breathing techniques every morning so I'm I'm a fan of those because it's you know it's it's easier to keep with and there's also a process that I would li- like to recommend to people called the completion process it's by this woman named uh, Teal Swan and basically this is a process that you can practice on yourself or you can also go to a specialist who will help you like guide you through it it's a therapy method essentially and basically what this this process is is it's It's basically a process to to deal with past trauma. So essentially you go into the trauma and you create resolve there because a lot of the times in our lives, especially early on in childhood, we go through these traumatic events and we have no resolve. And then they keep creating issues in our present day. And that just doesn't have to be the case. So the moment that you create resolve there, it just, it vanishes, you gain the awareness, you learn the lesson and you can move forward sometimes we're held back by these things Uh, another process I would like to recommend is a process called the work by Byron Katie and this one yeah the work the work it's super it's amazing so this one is really good if you're in conflict with another person it's like you can download a worksheet off her website and yeah I'll leave it at that check it out and just meditate um I do not recommend drugs, never go to, to drugs. Some people, they take Ayahuasca like, and everything, that... I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah cause like uh, a lot of like the people that are into the self-help meditation, they, they would go towards like psychedelics for that experience that solves all their issues. It's never, it's never gonna solve the issue, trust me. Like I have not personally gone that route, but I know people who have. And sometimes you do get insights from those types of methods. But then you always attach the ability to get insight to that, that substance. Mm. But you can do it on your own. You can do it organically. It's all within you. And yeah, that's what I say. And then for peace on the outer realm of things, when you have peace within you, just radiates, honestly. It's the energy that you put out and you get it back.
1: Yeah, everything yeah. is energy. Everything like It's always a transaction of energy and time. And we need to decide on what, what do we want to give and how are we giving it? Are we aligned or not? So going down more on this alley, when we think about peace and inner peace, do you know anything how it relates to our health and how it's aligned with our lives in any way?
0: Absolutely. So peace is definitely, definitely tied to health. I mean, going back to the definition of peace by the founder of Peace and Conflict Studies, Johan Galtung, it's when you are in alignment with your highest purpose. And you're you're only acting in alignment with that that comes naturally to you. You're not forcing yourself to be any other way. There's nothing, nothing mm. obstructing your health. So if, if we were committed to peace and to our, our natural state of being, which in essence can be considered harmony, it, we would be a lot happier. We would be living in alignment with our highest self and we'd be in a natural state of health and of energy because peace is, it's definitely conductive to our well-being, and and by doing this, you would no longer be at war with yourself, you know? We would have a lot less addictions in 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 human society that are happening. Because if you look at something like addiction, like, what is at the root of addiction? Does somebody just wake up one day and decide they want to be addicted to this or that? No, it's coming from a place of pain. We're running away from a negative feeling state. There's loneliness behind that. There's pain. So with peace, you're no longer running away from that loneliness or that anger or that fear. You're looking it directly in the face and you're you're resolving it. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah, it's definitely tied to peace. And yeah, and when you're at peace with yourself, you're no longer at peace also with the external world. So you'd have a lot, you know, a lot less crime. Happy people don't hurt people.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll say that for some reason. <laughs> why, why, why could that be? <laughs> good question. Yeah, well so then practicing inner and outer peace kind of creates peace everywhere and when we find the steps and break them down to daily practices that aids not only us but the whole world is that correct?
0: Absolutely. So that's why self-love is so important. It's something that's thrown around a lot these days. It's like a, you know, a buzz a buzzword. But it is so important to to love yourself, to be at peace with yourself, whatever you want to call it, because it really does start there. I mean, it really does.
1: Unfortunately, many peace movements, they are called radical. They are called crazy and they are fighting against the government. They are fighting against what
0: should be. What do you say to that? Okay, so... In my <laughs> personal understanding of in the world, according to Amanda, I, I believe that these radical movements that involve violence are not peace movements. When you have violence, that's not peace. But Because when you're fighting something, an oppositional force, you're not going to get what you want because you're playing a zero-sum game. I win, you lose. Zero-sum games do not work. This is also proven by research. The zero-sum games that we play, they do not work.
1: What is a zero sum game could you explain that
0: yeah so basically it's i win you lose Uh, i can have this but then you're going to lose or you win and then i'm going to lose but you Mm -hmm. can create a scenario where both sides win and i think with a lot of these violent peace movements there's a lack of understanding among the parties and that that just makes things escalate because if you had effective communication you would have a better shot at attaining that that piece or that goal that you want. When communication begins to deteriorate that's when you get conflict. Um, another reason why people might consider peace movements radical, maybe if they don't involve violence, would be because they are scared of change. A lot of the times we fear that which we don't understand and that's totally normal but you know th- that risks being labeled radical. But we also have to remember then that normal is not a measure of health and it's not a measure of rightness. For example, mm. you know, in the past, women drink, like pregnant women drinking alcohol, that was considered normal. Or, you know, owning slaves, that was considered normal. Normal is not a measure of good, it's not a measure of health. So we need to be more open. Yeah. Have you ever been called radical? Yes. Yes. What was your response? <laughs> You have to react with compassion. Again, I'm not perfect all the time. I do get angry sometimes, but then you sit with yourself and you really just have to listen to your anger. And I always I'm committed to understanding the other. If somebody has a different belief or a different opinion than mine, I will not rigidly believe that I am right. I always entertain the idea that maybe I'm wrong or that, you know, reality is subjective and we each have a, va- a valid perspective. But yeah, I've been called I've been called radical probably you know because i did a master's in in peace studies and we actually we talked about this in, in our class once where you know peace activists are radical in a sense because they're pushing for this idea of, of peace and a better future and that's kind of but so be it it's just a word whatever <laughs> call it what you want
1: <laughs> okay so what would your definition be of this or how would you call yourself then
0: myself so I first and foremost I am human (laughs) Uh, I I really never thought to label it it's just kind of my nature my my way of being it's it's tied into all of my work and all of the fun the extracurriculars that I do I guess people would call me an activist although I don't necessarily see myself that way I see the word activist as kind of like you know oppositional like you're fighting something Mm. but I don't see it as a fight I see it just as I like Personally, with my work, I just try to facilitate communication and understanding and, you know, I'm a work in progress as well, so I don't know what mm. my end career will be or what I'll be doing um, necessarily in the future, but I know that it will involve people and communicating and creating more understanding, empathy.
1: Yeah. And you studied psychology and also part of it was solving conflicts and creating clear communication so when someone gets into a conflict how would you resolve that and what would be the steps to go for a more more peaceful conversation
0: that is a very very good question so yeah i studied psychology in my undergrad and i also did a minor in political science and you know the funny thing is they don't teach you this we should be taught how to deal with conflict in schools for example because you're just not Mm -hmm. taught these things and so So I was reading an internet internet meme yesterday and it it said something like 80% of conflicts are caused because somebody hasn't eaten yet. (laughs) That really makes me laugh because it's true. (laughs) Yeah, I get hangry. I don't know about you. (laughs) (laughs) But to resolve conflict, when we are in a conflict with someone, something to keep in mind, this is something borrowed from psychology that you can apply to your life. The person is always trying to make you feel how they feel. It's interesting. Mm -hmm. It's like, for example, I'll I'll bring it down to a smaller example. If a mother is dealing with a screaming toddler, that screaming toddler is trying to make the mother feel exactly how it feels. So if you are the mother and you are feeling frustrated and angry at this child, that child is feeling frustrated and angry. It's the same with adults. If somebody is throwing insults at you and they're trying to make you feel like crap, they mm-hmm. also feel like crap. They do. So you can defuse it by reacting with kindness. And this is the hardest thing to practice, because when your ego is, is triggered and when you are targeted, it just becomes super, super complicated. But another thing to consider when we have conflicts is that conflicts can occur when we have a conflict of interest. So mm. you want something. Another person wants another thing. How do you how do you find a middle ground? And that's that's when it gets tricky. And in these types of scenarios, we have to consider the fact that there are third options. And you can get really creative with trying to come up with ways where both parties can get what they want. Uh, For example, so the founder of Peace and Conflict Studies, Johan Galtung, he was a conflict mediator. So this is a part of his work. He mediated conflicts internationally. And there was a conflict between two South American countries over this plot of land. I believe it was Peru and Nicaragua maybe. Peru for sure. I'm not sure what the other country was, honestly. But there was a conflict they had fought wars over this piece of land like for years, like three wars, and there was just no way that they were going to come to an agreement with this. And then Gautung, as a mediator, he speaks to both sides, and they come to a very, very creative agreement that worked and that ended all the wars. And do, do you know what this was? They basically made this plot of land a common zone between both countries, so it belonged to both of them. And they made it a national park, and they invested in it, and they made it beautiful, and it generated income, money for, for both countries and everybody was happy. And there you go. So there really are ways that both sides can win. And then you have your Israel and Palestine conflicts and your, you know, Armenia <laughs> and Azerbaijan conflicts that are a bit more difficult to deal with. Yeah. But, you know, it's a work in progress. We still have a lot, long way to go. And another thing is also if the other person doesn't want peace, you you can't you can't you can't really do much there if somebody is committed Mm. to to keeping the conflict alive so how
1: to let go of that how how can we let go
0: that's you know that's that's one issue that the world faces that we don't quite have answers towards yet but i believe that if we have to remember that we're all human and that we all belong to one another sometimes we forget this and uh, you have to want peace to to create it and We need to prioritize peace. We need to prioritize it. And we need to be, yeah, we need to be willing to see ourselves as bad because oftentimes, you know, we hurt people. And this occurs at the the national level of countries and at the individual level.
1: It does. And as as you also mentioned in the beginning and also now, we are all responsible for our own feelings. If we feel something, we try to make the other person feel the same way. So how can we... Get, get rid of it within ourselves. So we don't even start making the other person feel bad. How, what, how does that work?
0: Yeah so, yeah, so the first thing would be do not push that negative emotion away. For example, if you are prone to, you know, getting triggered with anger and reacting angrily at, at your mother or your boyfriend or whoever it is, like you're just kind of a rage monster. <laughs> don't push your anger away okay you don't have to express it but sit with it just listen to what it's trying to tell you because emotions are kind of like like little little alert signals they're they're making you aware of a boundary that you have or something that's not being expressed and the interesting thing with anger for example is that it's a cover emotion it's like ice on the sheet of a lake behind anger there's always something else it's it's usually helplessness so you have to deal with that underlying emotion so look deeper into it don't run away from it don't make it bad or wrong but also don't hurt people because you know it's only going to make things worse you're not going to get your thought across and you're not going to create resolve in that in that relationship Mm. so really sit with yourself get on that meditation meditate do your breathing techniques (laughs) reflect write Uh, journaling is excellent it's like therapy but personal therapy for yourself like if you're angry another practice that i recommend to people is to take a piece of paper and a pen and just go crazy, write everything that's making you angry. It defuses the emotion. And then then you gain awareness also as to why you're feeling the way you're feeling. Mm. So yeah, in a nutshell, don't demonize your emotions. Sit with them. Listen to what they're telling you. And also try to have compassion and empathy for the person in front of you. Mm. And when we have done that, when we have become aware of why we feel the same way,
1: why it triggered us, because I think it's kind of a trigger that makes you feel like, okay, I snap now. So when we are aware of that, do we let others know? So do we let that person
0: who triggered us know? Or do we just kind of let it go? I I would say communicate it. Absolutely. This stuff strengthens relationships when we can be vulnerable enough to say, you know, I was really hurt by by that. I felt this way and I I made it mean this. I made it mean that I was this way. People their their guards will melt melt away and that's how you deepen connection by being vulnerable mm, others. but then don't you think like
1: when you express that like yeah that made me feel this way then it kind of cre- like it's of course vulnerability but in a way your head created an extra version of what they have meant and they didn't mean that way so like, it kind of hurts them to to do it, even though they didn't mean it that way. So you know, you get you get what I mean.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you were in a conflict with the person and they just thought you hated them or that you were lashing out at them for no reason, it's it's probably better to be vulnerable and really express the genuine emotion there than than to make mm. than to allow them to make it mean something else entirely in their own heads. So always be honest. Uh, yeah, and also conflict in life is inevitable. It's a part of life. But the way that we deal with it and the way that we manage it is everything. You can either manage it in a way where you I grow and learn, or you can leave it to, to, to take its own course and you know, go wild and blow up to unbelievable proportions, like, like war. Mm. Yeah.
1: And I really love the expression. I actually wrote it down immediately when you said, We are victims of victims. you elaborate on that what you mean by that and how you think of that
0: like i was saying before hurt people hurt people happy people don't don't go around causing others pain at least not intentionally but a lot of the times we go through these traumas in our lives and they cause us to act in certain ways maybe sometimes in hurtful ways and by understanding that the person that is hurting you is also hurt, you create compassion. And with that compassion, you you can no longer blame them. But a lot of the times when we are hurt, it's an ego thing as well. So we make it mean something like we're not good enough. This person doesn't love me. You know, I'm flawed. I'm not enough. I think that's actually at the root of it. It's like we make it mean that we are not enough. Or that we are bad and we are, you know, bad or evil or unacceptable Mm -hmm. in some way. And that damages our ego, which is fine. Again, we're humans. We have egos. Like, we have arms and noses and eyes. (laughs) But by understanding that it's not necessarily about you, it's that person, that they're they're not in peace internally. They're not in alignment. And that's why they go around hurting people. Then you are able to remove yourself from that. And you, you can live your own life. And if that person is super toxic and they don't want to get better or they keep hurting you, then sometimes the best thing would be to keep some distance just to protect yourself because you can't force people into awareness. But yeah, just understand that it's not about you and that would at least make you feel better. And that's, that's why it's so important to be creating that peace within at the individual level. Because when you do that, you will no longer hurt people you will no longer hurt people because doing so will also hurt you. And you don't want that. That goes against your ego's nature. So I think that's what we should be selfish with in today's day and age. Be selfish with, with radiating love and with, you know, developing yourself to the point where you no, no longer hurt others because there's no need for it. You understand your own mind and you understand what is causing you to do these things. You look those shadows in their yeah. face and, you, you know, they disappear in daylight and then... And then you, you radiate peace. You no longer cause harm. You know, this, this goes for everybody, for both sides of every conflict. It's
1: beautiful. It's beautifully put. And I love how you expressed it. What was a story that you learned the most from so throughout your work or throughout your studies? You mentioned this guy, uh, Johan. But also like probably there were so many others that you could learn from. So what was a study that was like, yes. This is something that I want to implement in my life or in my practices or how I look at the world.
0: A study or a story. I can give you a little cute, interesting story, actually. This story is, I think I first heard it when I was 17. And it's just, it's so simple and cute. Let me just tell you it. So it's the story of the elephant and the stake. Maybe you've heard it before, but basically, basically, so how (laughs) they train baby elephants is they tie them to a stake in the ground so they don't run away. And these baby elephants they try to break free but they can't because they're so small and weak and they can't break the chain that's ba- binding them to the ground. But then the elephants they grow and they become enormous to the point where they could easily, you know, move a little bit and the chain would shatter. But they don't. They do not because because they stop trying. You know what holds them there trapped? is this limiting belief that they have in their minds. They still think they're that baby elephant who is too weak to move the, the chain, but they're not anymore. And and th- the good news is that these limiting beliefs that we have, they can be changed. We can choose different beliefs. We can choose beliefs that are conducive to peace and, and that that empower us. So we're not doomed. There's no there's no death sentence with with these types of things, no matter what you've been through, no matter what conflicts exist in your life, no matter how much pain is that, no matter how much you hate yourself. If you hate yourself, we all, we've all been there. I've been there. there. You can always change it. Like there's always there's always a way out of it.
1: <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah all the time. We can do that anytime, but we first need to realize and get aware, like, what is that limiting belief? And sometimes you just need to seek help or uh, get to someone who helps us push through it because that is the hardest one to now I know it. What do I do with it? So what was your limiting belief and how did you break through
0: it? So, okay. So growing up, I wasn't the most confident person. I've had some experiences with bullying and just Different things that really like erase my confidence as an individual. Like five years ago, if you told me that I would be talking on a podcast, I would have been like, yeah, right. No, not me. (laughs) (laughs) But then when I started to get into the self-awareness stuff and I started doing the work, the inner work and transforming all of those shadows and really looking at my pain and and learning the lessons, I was able to move forward from that. You know, a lot of the times we keep ourselves tied to that stake in the ground. We, we, we become attached to to our pain because it's all that we know, and we, we, it's so embedded into our identities. at some, as sometimes, you know, sometimes it's like, okay, if I don't have this pain or this issue, or who am I, right? You even have this with collectives on this on the larger scale. It's so interesting to see how entire cultures can be attached to certain painful experiences, you know, that keep them alive even because it's so ingrained in the identity. But at a certain point, you, oh, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. And this causes so many issues. So in the same way that an individual should look into their history and their inner pain and, and traumas and resolve them to create inner peace, you know, we can also be doing this at the international level with different countries and their histories for example with this history book that I'm writing you have to look at the problem you have to understand what led it to become to manifest in order to create that resolve so yeah yeah in a way it's like the the psychology work that you do at the individual level this is what I'm doing with Lebanon it's like look into your history this trauma caused this and this is why you're so messed up well we can change it Doing psychology
1: on a political and country scale. That's my passion. Yeah, I love just bringing those two together. (laughs) It does sound super exciting and a different way of looking at history and different way of looking at our countries. Thank you for making all the work and putting in all this effort and talking to all these people for us so we can be aware of it. So we are leading up to our final questions which the first one is what
0: is your definition of success my definition of success i see success as something subjective it means something different to each person but i would say success success is our ability to to fully actualize our personal potentials, so reaching your highest state of being, you know, as Eniko or as Amanda. The highest version of Amanda is going to be different than the highest version of Eniko or or from anybody else. But really being able to focus on your inner journey and to be true to yourself, that's success. Because a lot of the times in our societies, we are told that, you know, this is success, being a doctor or an engineer. If you're not a doctor or an engineer, you're a failure. That's how it is in my culture, guys. That's how it was. Mm. But then to have the courage to deviate from that and to go after what comes naturally, to, what you're drawn towards, what brings you joy, that is success. Yeah, <laughs> that's my idea of success.
1: Yes, definitely. Finding our own inner journey and just going through with it doesn't matter who does what. This is my journey. That is your journey. And we are the same. We are equal.
0: Yeah. No matter where, where the journey We complement one another. If each person would follow their joy, the world would be a much much better place. <laughs> it, it would be mm. more efficient too. You wouldn't have people in jobs that they hate. Although that is a bit lofty and idealistic, but that's you know a lot of a lot of the, that's a lot of how it is. My
1: second question to you is: We have been talking about peace, and you were so passionate, and I love your passion and dedication towards this this topic. But if you would have one minute to share your message with the whole world, like your most important message and the whole world would be listening right now. What would that message be in that one minute?
0: In one minute, my message to the world would be, I like this, it's like a soapbox moment. Okay, my message to the world would be (laughs) that empathy is so important. I know we, we all intuitively understand this, but it's one thing to say it and another to practice it. This is, this is in essence what every religion has preached throughout time, what every you know, wise man and guru. It's, it's about taking the other as a part of yourself. I think that's the panacea to all of the world's problems. Okay, not all of the world's problems. But besides <laughs> that, it's, it's, okay, the reason for this is because if you think about it, Effective communication is the backbone of peace. You know, to have something like sustainable development, you need peace first. You can't have mm-hmm. sustainable development in a war-torn country where everything just keep, keeps you know, getting destroyed. But we need effective communication to have peace in the first place, both at the personal, interpersonal level and at the large scale level. So that's, that's my two cents, you know, just communicate with yourself with Mm -hmm. others yeah in a peaceful way without the
1: conflicts being aware just reflecting back everything that we have been talking about in the past one hour yeah yeah effective communication and true communication yeah that's that's the base of everything as you said the backbone of the fish yeah (laughs) the third question is that um you are asking questions from people yeah on your podcast on different ways. And I think you are doing amazing living it. What is a question that you like asking people? What is a question that you think everybody should be asked and what would be your answer to that?
0: Oh, okay. So, so there are two questions that I ask everyone that comes on the the let's talk peace podcast. And those questions are one, what does the world you want to live in look like? I like to ask this question because it makes one, you know, envision what they want to create, which is super important because you have to start thinking about something before it becomes reality. And the second question Mm -hmm. I ask everyone is, what is peace according to you? And I ask this question because I want people to to get thinking about peace, you know, because you need to start thinking about it Mm -hmm. again before you can actually take action within the world and within your own life. So what does the world I want to live in look like? I want to live In a world where radical empathy is the norm where we are committed to understanding one another because again effective communication that's that's where it all starts i want to live in a world where people can pursue what they are naturally inclined towards and there's there's no pressure to to be something that you are not because that way you will never be happy you know the purpose of life is not to Arrive to death having lived according to someone, someone else's idea of success or somebody else's standards for, for you. Life is to be enjoyed. And the other thing that I would want in my ideal world is to have a world with, with positive peace. So Gauteng's vision of a perfect peace where structural violence is, is not a thing, where there is nothing that obstructs human development be that the promotion of, of foods that actually kill you or of government systems that, that prevent justice and where our cultures can live in harmony as well because a lot of these issues that exist within different civilizations, if you will, they, they can easily be solved if we were just committed to communication. And the second question that I ask people, what is peace according to you? And my definition of peace, I can say it in one word, it's love. To take the other as a part of yourself that's that's what pieces. is loving yourself loving others yeah
1: thank you so much amanda it was an incredible chat and i'm so happy that you shared all this knowledge all this passion with us I was like from the beginning i was like oh, okay like let's hear more she's so passionate <laughs> and she's so happy to share it with us and so many insightful things that you you have and in your daily life that you practice So I just truly look up to you and I wish you the very best luck with your work. I think you are doing something incredible for our world. And don't stop with Lebanon. I think that's a good start. But then look into some other cultures because we all need to learn from our histories. We all need to learn from our past. But we just some reason we don't do it either on a personal scale or on a country scale. So continue and grow. Please do. Thank Thank you so much. I had
0: so much fun. Thanks for having me.
1: Let's talk peace. This is my challenge for you for the next couple of weeks, to try to be aware of your feelings and feel empathy towards the people we interact with on a daily basis. I love the passion that Amanda expressed her thoughts with and how she said that we are victims of victims. We need to start to understand the bigger picture that is not necessarily us and we shall just accept each other as the way we are. I would love to hear what was your take on the episode. Share it on the comments or on social media. You can find me both on Instagram and on Facebook. And if you have any suggestions on a guest, or if you would like to hear about a specific topic, let me know on on the ball with aniku at gmail.com. Also, if you have any questions to Amanda or to me, feel free to reach out. I would love to hear from you. If you found this episode motivating, make sure that you share it with others and text this to your friend right now, who you think would be inspired by this story. The best way to live a happy and fulfilled life is to serve others. So share this episode with people you care about. It has no cost, but will elevate them and make their lives even better. If this is your first time here, click that love and subscribe buttons and make sure that you leave a rating and review. I would love to hear your thoughts and feedback on how this message lifted you up, brought you a change into your life. I would also love to hear your own definition of success. I'm so grateful for your support, sending love and great health to you all. And now it is time for you to be on the ball.